Ah, uh, April in Paris. Pure magic. But the City of Light is just as intoxicating any time of year. Spring, summer, fall, or winter, Paris is always one of our planet's grandest cities. Like any big city, it can also be intimidating and overwhelming. Doing a little homework ensures that your romance with Paris will be smooth and enjoyable. Hi, I'm Rick Steves, and today we're getting an insider's overview of Paris from Arnaud Servignan, who works as a local tour guide in his hometown. Arnaud will give us tips on which famous neighborhoods deserve a stroll, what to watch for as you wander along the Champs-Élysées, getting the most out of the city's famous museums, and how to avoid some of those common cultural faux pas that exasperate Americans when dealing with the French. We'll also address concerns about safety for travelers and take your calls as we get ready for a grand tour of Paris through the back door. It's coming right up on Travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly. I'm Rick Steves, and this is Travel with Rick Steves, and right now we're going to go to Paris. And I've got with me a man who's helped me for a number of years work on my guidebook in Paris, and he's flown all the way to Seattle to our studios to share with us some information about his great city, Arnaud Savignon. Thank you for being here, Arnaud. Thank you, Rick. It's very nice of you to invite me. I'm really glad to be here. Arnaud, to me, you are like the quintessential Parisian. There's mm-hmm. something about you that's very Parisian, and I frankly cannot see you living anywhere else in the world. You've got one life to live, and you're living it in Paris. Why is that? I don't know. I mean, I've tried to live, you know, in other places, and it's true that I just love my, my city. It's uh, something very special about it. Uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, I th- maybe the architecture, maybe the the way it's designed. It's very human size, and uh, there's a lot to do, a lot to see. And even though the Parisians are kind of ugly sometimes, you know, uh, I mean, I feel like going back home all the time, so... Ugly meaning they're what, intense. You know, a, a it's a big bit. city. It's a big city. So uh, when you go in the metro, I mean, nobody's smiling, but that's a big city. Right. So it's a capital. But on on the other hand, uh, you meet some great people, and you know, you can easily make friends. Uh, it's a moving city. Is it still the city to be in, in in France? France is a big country with a lot of great cities. Paris seems to be like the capital of Europe in a lot of ways, culturally. I don't know if it's the capital of Europe. I mean, it would be very... I don't know if I can say that because uh, I would probably, you know, putting myself too much on, uh, on a high spot. But so I wouldn't say that. I think Paris is really a vibrant city, which still is uh, a place where, for example, the fashion is going on. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, you know, in terms of art. Now, it's a, it's a great city, but it's also a collection of neighborhoods. And yes. I, I, as an American going to Paris, I have a hard time identifying with the, what do you say, the arrondissement? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, that's true. But talk about that a little bit, because I think every arrondissement has its own spirit and its own character. Yeah, that's true. When I have some clients, they, uh, they, they ask me, you know, is it easy to go downtown? And I always say, downtown? What do, we, what do you mean downtown? It's, it's downtown everywhere. Uh, Paris is made out of 20 different districts that we call arrondissement. And wherever you live, it's like you live in a small village, basically, and uh, every place has a little center. So, I mean, when I go out, you know, for dinner, I don't have to go far. I just go in my neighborhood. I just go down by the corner. There, are, I have like you know, 20 restaurants around my neighborhood, and that's where we live. We, 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 we live in your neighborhood. It's like a little village mm-hmm. in a big city. What number arrondissement do you live in? I live in the 18th district. So if I lived in the 7th district and you said, hi, I'm Arno, I live in the 18th district, what would I think about the 18th? Would I know the 18th? Would it have some meaning? Uh, yeah, of course. If you were living in the 7th arrondissement and I was telling you I'm living in the 18th, you would think, oh, this guy is a little rough. <laughs> oh, is that right? You're in a rough neighborhood. <laughs> because, you know, the 18th district is, that's why also I love it. It's because it's a, it's a mix, you know. Uh, in the 18th district, you've got the most expensive houses and apartments in Paris and also the, the lowest prices as well. So it's a melting pot. In the 7th, the 7th is really a very wealthy place. So it's mostly, you know, one category of, uh, of French people, very traditional families uh, with uh, a good uh, way of living, you know. But the 18th is a, is a mix. So do you know, there's 20 arrondissements. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know a characteristic about all of the arrondissements when somebody say they're from the 4th and so on? It, it depends. I mean, some are, some of them are really more like walking. You know, like for example, the ninth is more where you find you know insurance companies, banks. So and are the really smaller numbers more to the middle? 
Uh, yes, it, it goes from the very center. Okay, the very I'm going to tell you a, na- a number, and and they don't have names; they just have numbers, right? You have numbers. I'll tell you where I live, and you tell you tell me in two or three words what you think. Okay. <laughs> okay, if I can. <laughs> I'm in I'm in number three. Number three. Oh, so number three, you are living close to the Republic Square, Place de la République. So I think you have a good, you know, good salary. Um, you might not have a big apartment because it's really very expensive in that area, and you have lots of. Uh, uh, historical buildings. So uh, you might live, I would say, in a building which dates back to the 17th or 18th wow. century. And, uh, you know, probably you don't have a lift or an elevator, but Older you, buildings. Yeah, older buildings. Because and they're protected? You can't? Or they're just... They're yes, just, some you, you just cannot destroy it. Okay, I all. live in the Marais. What number is that? The fourth. The fourth. This That's is, the old swamp and it yes. was, uh, was uh, really downtrodden and now it's quite trendy. It's very trendy. So I'm from the fourth district, yes. Okay, so that's even even better. <laughs> I mean, for you. Should I be yes. dressed well? Um, <laughs> yes, yes, you would be quite uh, elegant, I would say. And I mean, this is like a cliche, I'm telling you. Yeah, right? sure, of course. Um, the Marais district also is where you have the minorities. Uh, you've got the Jewish section, you have the gay section, you have uh, a place where there's really lots of, uh, lots of shops, lots of very trendy shops, lots of trendy restaurants. Uh, I mean, on Sunday afternoon, for example, the Marais is overwhelmed with people. Uh, it, it becomes almost a pedestrianized area because yeah. everybody goes to shop oh, there. Oh, it's very lively uh, and colorful. Yeah. I, you know, of all of Paris, I, I uh, target two neighborhoods for uh, my guidebook to make people's home where mm-hmm. they have their hotels and mm-hmm. restaurants. And the Marais is one of them. I just love to stay in the Marais. Yeah, I think it's Marais very popular very, with tourists. Very, uh, very special. What is the Champs-Élysées? What Marais? What Champs-Élysées, that's uh, the west. That's the eighth district. Uh, Champs-Élysées is really an area where we don't have many people living anymore. I mean, one side, like south of the Champs-Élysées. The Champs-Élysées is mostly like uh, like shops. Do people still like to promenade down the Champs-Élysées? Yes. Has it been hamburgerized or is it still elegant? Uh, it has been hamburgerized, so to speak, uh, for the last 10 years, I would think. And now um, there's something changing. It, it changed from the time, uh, the last years of when Chirac you know, was uh, mayor of the city. He decided to embellish the Champs-Élysées, so he mm. actually replanted some trees. So we have two lines of trees on the side. And he, he decided to get rid of you know, uh, dirty shops. So, uh, uh, for example, McDonald's, they, they have a nice terrace, and they mm. have to have a nice terrace with plants right. and so on. You know? So McDonald's is there, but it has the finest yes. furniture of any McDonald's I've seen. Yes, they have to respect this kind of uh, you know, look. This, is an, this was originally the Royal Carriageway, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was a way to go to Versailles. Now, somebody told me once about something called the Royal Perspective, or this Perspective Royal. And you can stand no, at the Louvre yes. and you look right out. Can you explain that to me? Now the name the, the name is Voie Triomphale, which means the triumphal way. It's actually a, a perspective which is uh, starting in the Louvre, in the courtyard of the Louvre, which was the palace of the king. Which was the palace of the king, one of the palaces of the in king. In the days when people really treated the king like God on earth, the yes. divine royalty. Yes, yes, yes. So I mean, it really is amazing when you are at the Louvre next to the glass pyramid. You can see through the Arch of the Carousel, you can see the Tuileries Gardens, the Concorde Square, the Champs-Élysées, the Arch de Triomphe. And actually now, through the Arch de Triomphe, you can see in the far distance a new mm. arc, which was made in 1989 for the Bicentennial by our last president, Mitterrand. So you see it, it really is history. This is, a, this is a new arch, like the triumphal yes. arch that everybody yes, knows. It's there. a but cubic marble arch. It's called La Défense. Or La, what Défense, is it? La yes. Défense. It is such a big arch that I've yes. heard that the Notre Dame Cathedral can fit Yes, under it. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And it's covered with 65,000 pieces of marble from Carrara. Is that Carrara marble, the best yes. marble? Yes. Whoa, Michelangelo wanted that, and Paris got it for its Arc de Triomphe. Mm-hmm. One thing great about Paris is you guys can just kind of snap your fingers and create a world class monument. I mean, it's really quite astounding what Paris does from a civic point of view. I want to review this a little more, this royal perspective. I'm at the Louvre. And this is the great, the biggest building on earth for a while, mm-hmm. the palace of uh, Louis the Fourteenth, and so on. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking, and uh, now it's the biggest museum. Used to be the home of your IRS or your tax collecting agency too, I believe. Yes, Ministry of Finances. But they yes. moved out, so the I mean, one part bigger. was yes. Yeah. So now it's all this incredible museum with mm-hmm. this modern glass pyramid, mm-hmm. and you look out through the great garden, the Tuileries. Which used to be royal, I think, but then open to the public. Is that it right? It was. It was. I mean, one part has, has always been open to the public. Now you have this royal, uh, like kings with leotards and wigs, and then you've got a square where the guillotine was set up, and this oh. is where they literally chopped off the head of mm-hmm. the old regime. Place de la Concorde, yes. End of in the French Revolution. End of this notion that some people are born to be rulers and some people are born to be rulees, and then you've got the royal carriageway that became the grand promenade. And you've got the arch that 
Did, did Napoleon commission that arch? Um, Napoleon wanted to uh, to build an uh, a monument dedicated to the great army. And he actually started it, but you know it was exiled before the end. So right. it was actually completed afterwards. But it's completed really completed in time for his uh, when he when they took his body back from Saint Helena. Uh, in fact, his coffin was placed under the oh. arch for several but days. That arch, to me, celebrates nationalism. Absolutely, yes. So that Arc de Triomphe is a celebration of nationalism. The Louvre is a celebration of old regime, mm-hmm. divine monarchy. Mm-hmm. And then you you have this axis that continues way way out to the edge of town, and you got this incredible new business park with this mammoth arch, and that celebrates. Uh, sort of uh, globalism or international yeah, corporate absolutely. kind of... Economics. But you know, the perspective is not completed because the arc at the end is still an open monument. So you could easily... And actually, they're continuing it. Wow. And I think 10, ten years ago, we had a laser going from a town called Sergi, about 20 miles north, a laser going through the perspective. I think if any city handles its megalomania well, it's, it's Paris. Well, you know, what <laughs> is really interesting in Paris is Paris is an, an old city, but we're not stuck to the You're old. sure not. And you do a lot of... Um, edgy things that originally are kind of controversial, but then people very, warm, up, warm up to them, don't yes, they? Yes, very avant-garde. But that's the way, you know, Parisians are. Parisians are uh, complaining all the time. When something is new, they, they, they say it's horrible, they complain, they sign up petitions, just a way, you know, to show that they are concerned by it. And after they adopt it and just love it. Okay, now you're a Parisian, you're not a tourist, that's for sure. Take me on a walk down the Champs-Élysées. Every tourist goes down the Champs-Élysées. Mm-hmm. Uh, and give me two or three, three or four stops that you would think would be great if you're out on a nice afternoon stroll. Uh, there's one stop that you will not escape with me. You, know, you, you have to go there, otherwise I won't let you go, you know, pass the custom back. It's La Durée. La Durée is, uh, is a tea room, which is really gorgeous. I mean, it's uh, adorable inside. It's all neo the third style uh, uh, decor. And that's where you go and find your little macaron, you know, the little pastries. Macaroon, macaroons. Yeah. You call them macaroons, yes. And uh, they make uh, make them out of ginger, of rose, of uh, pistachio. Uh, mint. Mint. Oh, uh, I love their all licorice. these wonderful pastel flavors. Yes. And you've got all these elegant Parisian people eating these little tiny queen quality macaroons. Mm. And that's also the best place for a hot chocolate. La Durée. La Durée. La Durée. Never that's, forget this that's name. That's one of a La few Durée. of the old old-world grand cafes mm-hmm. that are still on the uh, Champs-Élysées. Yes. Where else would you stop? Um, I would stop in uh, Renault. Uh, the car dealership? Yes, the car dealership. Uh, you know, it actually, they're not car dealership. The French they car are, dealership. They are showrooms. Oh, okay. So they don't sh- sell cars. They're really there for, to show the cars, and they have concept cars as well, which is really, you know, kind of exciting to see. And Renault is very special because when you go in, on the first floor, there is also a, a restaurant, which is very minimalist, very... Uh, modern, uh, white, you know, uh, very light, which is basically the concept of uh, of the years 2000. And that really reflects, you know, uh, it's such a contrast with La Durée wow. uh, next door, which is so traditional. I love this walk. And uh, you start at the Arc de Triomphe and it strolls gradually downhill until yes. you get to Tuileries. And you can stop anytime you like and walk into the metro, the subway, and, and mm, you're anywhere absolutely. you want to be. By the way, Renault doesn't have the greatest reputation, at least in my mind, uh, from the past. Are they making good cars now? Yes. I mean, French cars have improved a lot. I'm not here, you know, to advertise French cars, but <laughs> <laughs> no. but it's true. They were, like, falling apart before. But Renault now uh, have very good cars, uh, you know, very good quality inside, and, and the engine is really, really good. So, so you're I'm, proud of the Renault? Yes. That's good. We open up the phone lines for your calls at 877-333-RIC in just a minute as we continue our chat with Arnaud Servignan about Paris on Travel with Rick Steves. And remember, you can email us anytime at radio at ricksteves.com. Stay with us. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines with 4,000 flights to 250 cities in some 40 countries around the world every day. It's easy to book your next flight at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.
French tour guide Arnaud Servignat is our guest for an insider's guide to Paris on this edition of Travel with Rick Steves. We've got some calls on the line. I've got um, Autumn in uh, Edmonds, Washington. Autumn, thank you for your call. Hi. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I just got back from Paris. How was your trip? And Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I took some people that wanted to learn how to travel because I like to travel, and we save all our money we can on other <laughs> things and put it all into traveling. How were you received in Paris? I thought it was great. There was five of us, and one was my grandson, who's 13. Every time I've been there, I've been there five times, and at different times, there'll be a different amount of warmth. But from the people. From the people, yes. But it's always wonderful. And usually I plan my trips by the little villages. And so we do something in one area and then something in another area. Uh, the Irwanda's month that we were talking about. Yes. Yeah. And because it's easier like that to just, you know, sort of stay close to there's a actually a, stop. There's actually a guidebook called a Paris par arrondissement, I think. And it talks about, it sort of treats each arrondissement as a village or a district, as Arnaud was yeah, talking does, about. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You know, you, you mentioned, uh, Autumn, that you found a different amount of warmth from the people at different months. I, I think my hunch is in the summer, Parisians who can get out of there do. And it's just overrun by tourists and people from Paris that don't have the means to escape. And you'll have a tougher time with the Parisians in the summer. Uh, it's just sort yes, of an observation. You know, I had just not ever found a problem, really. Right. I, we were there before the fall of the USSR and after. I saw a difference there. They were very much more relaxed into mm-hmm. the 90s. Basically, mm-hmm. I just don't have a problem. You That's talk interesting, to people, Adam. they talk to I think there was this more of a, a French um, cultural aggressiveness in the de Gaulle time or something, and then it sort yes. of it mellowed yeah. out in the 90s. And the other thing I enjoy very much is to be able to take the, the transportation makes it so easy to get around. If you get off at a tube stop and you decide you don't necessarily like the area, you get back on and go somewhere else. But sure. we go to the end of the lines and we see places at the end of the lines. And, uh, you know, once we've been to a city and seen the main sites, and that's just really fun, too, because the further out you get from the downtown where all the tourists are, the nicer people are, too, but the more relaxed you can be, too. So you, you, you're saying that you went to the suburb, didn't you? Well, San Vincennes is one of our favorites. Uh-huh. The, the okay. park at San Vincennes, and we go down yes. and we eat. We like to eat at the little, I don't know how to say, the pastarias. Patisserie? Yes. Patisserie. Ah, patisserie. Yes, oh, we yeah. like to eat there because there's always... You can try a, a several different things, and mm-hmm. and you, then you can walk on your way and go sit at a park and eat in the park or something like that. It's so, an elegant city, isn't it, Autumn? Oh, there's no place and no time that I've ever been there that I would not have wanted to go back. How's, I, how's your French? The last time I went, I took four cards, four five-by-eight little file cards with... So it's not very good. Okay. <laughs> no, but it's the first time... It was the first time that I bothered to learn more than and so I had my numbers on there and I had how much is this and, and it made it quite easy and I actually spoke French for the first time and oh, people were good. very nice We about love this. Uh, I mean, that's also one of the reasons when you know, Americans sometimes think that, that we don't like them. Uh, but we do, uh, and, and, and you know, the, the key always, if you want to be really going around Paris and have no problem with the French people, just say a few words in French. And uh, they all do that. They say, bonjour, au revoir, merci, s'il vous plaît. And then they mm-hmm. tell me, my God, these people are so helpful. Yes, and that's exactly what I found. It just took me a few years to determine that I needed to be, do that and learn to be polite myself. <laughs> Good for you, Autumn. Hey, you sound like a great traveler. Thank you for your call. Thank okay, you. thank you. Bye now. Goodbye. And we have Lowell on the line from Los Angeles. Lowell, thanks for your call. Bonjour. Hey. Hello. How was your experience in Paris? It was great. Uh, we started in London and took the, um, you know, the channel over, and um, I can't remember the t- area of state, and it's, it's near the uh, that one place uh, where that uh, big fort was torn down. Best deal. I think you stayed in, in the, the Marais. Marais yeah. Yes. We got lost finding the hotel because we veered Ooh. slightly right instead of slightly left, and uh, some college student helped us find the place. A French but, student? A college student, a French college student. Okay. And, um, you know, we uh, quickly learned how to use the uh, mass transit out there, and I, I didn't have any problems with the Parisians either. I mean, most of them were... You know, very polite to me. I got lost at Versailles, and a woman directed me back to the train station. And How did you like Versailles? I, I thought Versailles was amazing. Whenever you thought you were through with something, the next thing you knew, 
you'd find something else. We wandered around and found that area where they recreated like a uh, English country village where. Um, oh, that was the little the petite hameau. Mm-hmm. Marie yeah. Antoinette. She was tired of being a queen, so she'd retreat out to her little hamlet and pretend she was a peasant girl with her perfumed sheep and her manicured and garden. And brushed, uh, yeah, cows. Sort of a sort of a back to basics queen. What'd you say? Hand brushed cows. Yes, hand brushed yes, cows. Very, very and delightful moment. Sheep. All right, Lowell. You know, you have to come back huh, because uh, Versailles has just uh, been going through a tremendous restoration. Oh, they, yeah. they just restored the whole of the mirrors. Uh, one, two-thirds of it has been reopened, and basically I just discovered it two weeks ago, uh, just a way with the 14th Senate in 1661 when it was made, you know, or 1683, I don't yeah. know. I forgot and, the date. And the vision for Versailles is to make it all one admission. Now there's all these different doors, and you can do different rooms for different prices. They want to make it all one admission, and they're going to open a giant... Um, Museum of French History up in the attic of the palace. Yes. Wow. Well, we uh, went there last summer with my wife and daughter, and a highlight for my daughter was uh, driving the little golf cars around the around the grounds. It's such a huge backyard that Louis had. Oh, yeah. That little pink palace uh, off to one side, when you look outside of that, that's the first time I saw that big lake they have. And it's just, you know, it's, it's overwhelming. Sometimes it, it, it's hard to get an idea of where, the, where it ends. Well, he rerouted rivers to, to uh, you know, power the fountains and fill the lakes. And he spent, I think, half a year's income of the entire country of France, which was the most populous and wealthiest country in Europe at the time, to build that palace. Well, but well, if, you're, yeah. if you call yourself God on Earth, you better have a big house. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Hey, Lowell, we've got to get on to some more calls. Okay, well, well thanks for having thanks, me. Thanks for calling and have a nice uh, day. happy travels. Well, thank you. Same to you. And à bientôt in France, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go to Virginia. We got Diane on the phone from Arlington. Hi, Diane. Hello, Diane. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Ah, uh, no problem. Uh, I hear from your last callers. They also enjoyed uh, trips to Paris as well. Yeah. Well, you're planning a honeymoon. It sounds like. Yes, oh. I'm planning a, my honeymoon this summer. So. Tell us about that. Oh, sure. Um, well, we're actually flying into London first. I was trying to get into Paris, but um, I'm using miles, so I had to go where I, they would take me. And um, so we're coming into Paris, and I was there about two years ago. I went with a friend, and now I'm going to take my future husband, who's actually Portuguese. And as I was trying to explain the culture in Paris and France, he was saying, well, Portugal is much more westernized, and he was very interested in the differences, even though they're true European countries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the culture seemed to be very different. I think there's an interesting affinity between the French and the Portuguese, too. I mean, you're... you're um fiancé will enjoy going to Paris. Let's talk about uh, some romantic ideas in Paris. Uh, yes, please. Romantic ideas. I mean, it depends if you've been there or not. Apparently, you have been there already. But I haven't been there with him. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, it depends also on your budget, you know, because Paris can be quite expensive sometimes. But I have, you know, good ideas of restaurants with, uh, with music and so on and very nice atmosphere, mm-hmm. like the Hotel Coste or things like this, you know... Uh, when you stroll down the uh, Champs-Élysées, make sure you drop into La Durée for your yes, macaroons and your sure. hot chocolate. For sure. When you visit the Orsay Gallery, there's a wonderful, a wonderful restaurant, restaurant Yes, in the Orsay. On the first floor, it, it actually used to be the restaurant of, uh, of the hotel, which, uh, because when they built the station, you know, they would always have a, a deluxe hotel nearby. So right. the hotel now is part of the museum. Hmm. But they kept the room, which is very oh, cre- you know, creamy style, 19th century creamy What do you call uh, that? What period colors. is that? Is that the... Uh, that's 1900, actually. 1900. Uh, 1900. And remember, uh, the Orsay, for people who don't know yet, uh, it was a train station, and they were going to knock it down, mm-hmm. and they finally decided to use the Orsay to collect all of the art from the after the Louvre period. What was that? Uh, 1848. It's precisely 1848 until 1914. And oh. it's also great for people watching. It's wonderful. Yes, there's one place you should go as well. It's called Le Train Bleu. It's the restaurant of the Gare de Lyon, another station which is still active. Huh. And they have this beautiful restaurant with uh, incredible frescoes on the, on the ceiling and just people adore it. I don't know about that. Now tell Le me, Train Bleu, the ang- blue train. Ang- anglicize it a little bit. A- the blue train. The blue train. In the Gare de Lyon. Yes, you just walk into the station and on the first floor there's a you know, two ramp staircase and right there above the train, so you are like, in a very old room, 1900, and you can see the bullet trains just down below. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Diane, hang out. Oh, take the bullet train from London. If you're going to do London in Paris, you've got yes, to do that. Yes, the Eurostar. And hang out in the... Um, Hang out in the Place des Vosges, and it's wonderful there because you got this uh, old regime elegance, and you got uh, local aristocratic people coming there, and all sorts of different people uh, taking their kids. And there's a sort of a cool old world sandbox, and 
people <laughs> sitting on benches um, practicing their violins. It's just a yes, dream. Yes, and, and actually, especially in the summertime, you know, you just walk under the arcades oh, yeah. by the day and you have lots of musicians playing, you know, violin and uh, We did that. We, we stayed That's a half a block from the Place des Vosges with my wife and daughter mm-hmm. last visit and just... We did this sort of uh, subconsciously. Before we'd come and go to our hotel, we'd walk around the Place des Vosges mm-hmm. under the arcade, and there was all these little intimate glimpses of Parisian life, oblivious to the tourism. Yes. Beautiful thing. Diane, thanks for your call. Well, thank you. Best thank wishes. You. Let us know how your honeymoon goes. See you in Paris, okay. perhaps. Let's go to Simon in Wilsonville, Oregon. Hi, Simon. Oh, hello, Rick. How are you? Great. Thanks for hello, your call. Hello, Simon. Oh, bonjour. Bonjour. You know, we've just come back from uh, Paris. Um, we had we've got a family of five, so we mm-hmm. it was it was a bit of a safari for us. But uh, we we followed your uh, your guidebook religiously and sort of took copious notes and uh, and uh, really enjoyed our visit. Thank you. Ar- Arno helped me a lot with that guidebook, so I have to thank Arno for that. He, thank you. Every time I update the book, I I, I grab mm-hmm. Arno for a couple of days. Well, you know, the first day we arrived was Sunday, so we went to went to mass at nine thirty at the uh, the Notre Dame, and then um, which was quite an experience. We got there early. Uh-huh. We we were actually staying at the hotel. Our hotel was a little bit out of town <clears throat> at uh, Port de Clichy. Port de Clichy, oh, that's not too far. So it's not too far, but it took about half an hour to travel. From Port Clichy to um, to the Notre Dame Cathedral in the morning, it was very quiet when we arrived, and uh, we, we we got uh, right at the very front of the uh, of the church, and had mass there, which was quite an experience. You just can j- just uh, picture the amount of people or, or uh, who've gone through that cathedral in the past, you know, from Napoleon to all the kings. Yes, and it's quite an experience for us to to do that. I mean, this place is eight hundred years old. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, and, and in the middle of that, because we'd been, been traveling for about an hour, we, we had to try and find some toilets. So we, we <clears throat> in my sketchy French, we, we asked the lady at the uh, the door where the nearest toilets were, and they were actually just a stone's throw from the from the main door there, which was... Uh, under a, the statue of Charlemagne. Wall, yeah, right under Charlemagne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Simon, what did you do for views if you wanted an oversight of the city? You know, we, we took the, uh, the, the bus tour you, you recommended, the, the bus 69. Okay, that's a public bus tour. In my guidebooks, I like to let people um, um, take advantage of existing public transportation routes that happen to be very good for sightseeing, and then we lay down a, a little bit of a, a guided tour. So for a dollar, you can take bus 69, and it cuts right across the core of the most interesting part of the town, doesn't it? That was great. We actually finished at the cemetery as it was just closing, but we came back to the cemetery uh, okay, the, now that was the Père yeah. Lachaise, right? How, how was the cemetery? Because, you know, sometimes American people think, oh, my God, a cemetery? You visit the cemetery? How was this? Well, I took, cope, you know, lo- lo- lots of photographs, and, uh, you know, it is, we actually went on, on the backwards route, so we got a little bit lost. We didn't really follow your map in the book. Lost in all those tombs. In, in the tombs. Ooh, For people who don't scary. know, this is like a city of the dead. I mean, it must be a, squ- uh, a square mile or something. Oh, it's huge, gosh. And you've got all these famous people. Chopin is buried there. Yeah, we saw Chopin. Chopin and Jim Morrison. And of we course, you've got to go to the pilgrimage of Jim Morrison, <laughs> the doors. Simone Signoret, Yves Montand, all of these people out there. Yeah. Edith Piaf. Edith Piaf, right? Yes. We were trying to find Edith Piaf. We couldn't find her. So this is the permanent Parisian situation. A lot of people like to go to Paris to, to go to the dramatic, go, romantic yeah. cemeteries. What, the, what is the best cemetery? Is it pretty clearly? Well, the best, actually, we have two best cemeteries in Paris. The Père Lachaise, which is east, and the Montmartre Cemetery. Oh, yeah. And the best time to go there is actually on All Saints Day, when it's all flowered everywhere. And wow. It's gorgeous. Everybody goes to the cemetery and, you know, put flowers. Yeah. It's really magic. Hey, Simon, we're talking with Simon from uh, Oregon State, Wilsonville. And, uh, Simon, in your email, you mentioned that you had a restaurant that uh, the decor was not suitable for your children. What's the deal? Well, we, we were actually on the Montmartre. We were sort of going back to Clichy. And it was around about 6 o'clock. Everybody was getting very hungry. So we went to the restaurant. We went in, he said, well, we haven't got anybody in the kitchen yet to start cooking for us. So come back at 7 o'clock, and we, you know, we really should have followed your advice going to a busy restaurant. You know, the, the restaurants up there don't get started till about 7 and 8 o'clock. Yes, that's right. But um, there was just um, posters on the wall which weren't suitable for the kids, you know, yeah. and we, we were getting a little bit uncomfortable. And well, That's the area where you stayed, that's why. Yeah, you <laughs> is know, that right? What area is that? Yes, I mean, yeah. Plus, the Porte Clichy, no, is Porte not. Clichy, so you, do, you just got um, a lot of uh, bare breasts in the yes, posters. Yes, 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 y
but we should have realized we shouldn't have eaten there, you know. You know, France can be a, a stressful country in, in some of those sensitivities. I mean, you yes. used to have a, before the euro came, your 50-franc note or your 100-franc note had this incredible champion of the revolution bare-breasted on the, oh, on the, yes. on the front, front cover. Lady of Marianne, yes. Lady Marianne, it's, yeah. It's coming from a Delacroix painting, you know. Of course, yeah. Yes. High so. culture. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, thanks for your call. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank and you. Uh, happy travels in the future. Yeah, thank you very much. Hey, let's talk to Irene in Montana. Bonjour, Irene. Bonjour. Bonjour, bonjour. Je suis le français en Montana. I teach French in Montana. And so every time I get a chance, I go over. Do you have any questions about Paris that uh, you might want to ask uh, Arnaud? Um, no, I don't. I just have um, I just have so many favorite places in uh, Paris. Um, What's your favorite memory for Paris? What would you re- recommend your students after they've learned their French? Where, what, what should they be sure to do when they go to Paris? Well, the Latin Quarter, of course, mm-hmm. and um, all around there. Um, the little um, bookshop... Uh, Shakespeare. Shakespeare and Company. Where um, supposedly the center of, uh, the, is it the Roman Empire the, or the center of France is? What was that? No, actually the, the center of France is not in Paris. Uh, the center of France is further south in Bourges. Oh, in Bourges. Yes, okay. Bourges, which is south of the Loire. Uh-huh. So that's the oh. geographic center. The geographic center. Geographic but isn't center. there a point zero in that front of the... That was where I was conceived, yeah, by the, the way. Yeah, what is is that the point zero is in front of the Notre Dame? The point zero, right. oh, the point zero, something else. The point zero right in front of Notre Dame is actually the pl- the point from which all the routes of France are calculated. Okay. Okay, all the routes. All right. Well, over in Shakespeare and Company, he has a pot hung over a very deep hole, mm-hmm. of which there is a brass um, marker, I guess you would say, of which they claim is the real one, and the other one at Notre Dame isn't. So that was most fascinating. Um, had to go see both, of course. Okay. And uh, the museum that I wish that Mr. Steves or Rick, how do you want me to say, um, would maybe give directions in his book how to get to is the Carnivalet. Oh, the Carnivalet is wonderful. Yeah, the oh, Carnivalet. And I yes. love that museum because... It's very, um, it's fascinating. And yes. it's free now. Yes, it's free. It's Thanks pa- to our mayor. Your mayor. You know, Pardon? Mr. Delanoe, yes, he made it free last uh, December Isn't 2005. That and that is the museum, the museum to get a, mm. a good dose of the French Revolution. I love it. I mean, oh, it, it goes through the whole history. Like, they had like a stove that Louis XIV had helped construct. Oh, yeah. I'm fascinated, I don't know why, with the family because it did establish... The independence that the middle class wanted, but um, it's also very sad because... You know, everybody in France is very attached to Marie Antoinette's family. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, beside the fact that they, of course, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. spend the whole money of the country and really, you know, ruled like you rule at those times, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, They really live the tragedy and... uh, their history is, is very special, so that's why we are very attached to, uh, to Marie Antoinette. Hey, Irene, we're going to have to run along here, but thanks for your call and best wishes with your teaching uh, French in Montana. Thanks Thank a lot. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Au revoir. Thank you. Au revoir. Thanks, Irene. Au revoir. More calls and conversation on Paris, the magnificent city of light, coming right up on Travel with Rick Steves. April in Paris. 877-333-RICK. Chestnuts in blossom. Or email us anytime at radio at ricksteves.com, where you can also post your thoughts on our message boards after the show. We're a community of travelers that meet each week on the radio, and you're welcome to join in as we travel with Rick Steves. I'm talking with Arnaud Savignon, a friend of mine and a tour guide from Paris. Arnaud, we've got a few more minutes, and I'd like to just review a couple of uh, concerns people might have. First of all, just from a safety point of view, there's certain dangers and scams and advice for people who want to travel after dark, for instance, and stay safe. What is your advice? What time do the metros close? Uh, okay. What neighborhoods do you want to avoid? Well, you know, Paris is basically a very safe city. Um, the metro closes at uh, after midnight, midnight 30. So, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's fine because it's very crowded at this time because everybody gets back in the metro. But you should always be careful with your money and your belongings. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, as in every big city where it has a lot of tourists, you are a potential target. So put your money, you know, under your your clothes. In a money belt. Uh, or in a money belt, yes. Especially for men, you know, don't put your money in the front pocket or in the back pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, pickpockets knows where, where the money is. And the pickpockets assume that the Americans are the naive ones. So they'll yes. target us, not because they're mean, but because they're smart. We've got the good stuff in our purses and That's wallets. That's true. And they, they recognize tourists. They, oh, yeah. they are yeah. very well trained, so to speak. <laughs> are there neighborhoods that are particularly dangerous? Just uh, from, uh, those which are dangerous, I mean, you would not go there. There. There's absolutely nothing to, to do there, and the, the only place which is kind of weird is the 19th district. But I mean, there's nothing there, absolutely nothing to see. So the, yeah, so that's the interesting thing. Up. Like the news uh, in the last year has been uh, kind of uh, uh, disconcerting about all of the uh, uh, poor people and the Islam teenagers, Muslim teenagers, and so on, burning cars. Mm-hmm. And um, but the, uh, my feeling is Paris is too. I mean, you've got this sort of fantasy land where all the tourists go and then the, the reality suburbs where millions That's of really in the are. suburbs, yes. So during this uh, time, did the car car burnings and any of these riots and so on, did they ever get downtown or how would a tourist have experienced No, that? actually the, we had nothing in Paris itself. I mean, all these uh, riots were going in the suburbs in, in kind of, you know, yes, I have to say rough suburbs which are around the city. So you do have rough suburbs. That yes, we have. You know, it's, it's actually the, uh, the country, I think in America, it's downtown which is kind of... Uh, Insecure. Yeah. In France, it's the contrary. The centers are very, very safe, and we intend to basically. Huh. The problem is, you know, it's the whole political thing. It's the 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 have you know exposed the lower classes into the suburbs that started from the 1960s, mm-hmm. and they created some new cities in the mm-hmm. periphery with nothing, you know, no affordable housing, to do. but yes, no support. But no support, nothing to do, no cinema, no theater, no, nothing to do. So they, they basically yeah. hang around in the street, Burn you know, things. that's it. So no, but that's, that's interesting. Why. In America, my, my feeling is the, the core of the city is where you have these kind of problems, and the suburbs are where people go to escape that. Mm-hmm. And in Paris, in France, it's the opposite, you're saying. The, the yes. cores of the cities are vibrant yes. and considered safe, and then the uh, social problems and the economic problems are more in the suburbs. Absolutely. But it's changing as well. Again, you know, uh, and I mean, we, we had that, those riots. I mean, we, we had to have them. And, uh, and you've got because, some problems you're dealing because with. Because it went to a peak, you know, and, and now it's really, it's got, I'm sure it's going to improve <clears> in the and future. And this car burning is nothing new. I had a VW no, van I used to no. travel with a lot. And my no. van was parked in Paris 10 years ago and it got burned. Every New Year, you know, we uh, we count the the, the burn cars on New Year's. The, yes, the corpses of the cars. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so that's just the way you want to raise your voice. In fact, when my when my VW van got uh, car bombed and burned, I got yes. a photo photograph of it. I never saw it again. It's just a post toasty. They yes. hauled it away. Um, the riot was for smaller smaller classrooms. They uh-huh. wanted a better ratio between teachers and students. Okay. So they burned my car. Oh. I hope they got smaller classes. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> hey, just very quickly. Um, We've talked to a lot of people that said Americans are welcome in Paris. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, a lot of Americans make uh, kind of naive faux pas just because they don't understand the French culture. Mm. You're a Parisian friend. What advice can you give us Americans? So, you know, you would be understanding. You know that Americans don't mean bad to do something. But if a typical Parisian who's not as uh, global as you or sensitive as you, what mistakes w- would an American make that they could that they could learn and not make so that the typical Parisian might enjoy their visit more? Do you follow me? Uh, the first mistake would be to, to uh, if you need like information, the first mistake is to start to talk without saying bonjour. Right. Then uh, the second mistake would would be that to start to talk in English right away. French people are very um, very proud of their language, and and also they are even prouder when a foreigner tries to speak the language, even if you don't speak the language, because I understand this is a very difficult language. Uh, what you should really is to, 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 to try to, um, to learn one or two sentences. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's really a way to, to break the ice. Because the French people, you know, are not so open. We are very shy. Um, we don't, you know, give ourselves uh, at the right minutes. Uh, we have a kind of a, we are like icebergs with uh, very warm hearts in it. So you have to break the ice first. And once you've broken the ice, uh, we are just charming and you make a friend forever. Uh, but you know, it, it, that's, that's why, because we don't, we don't want to be nice to like this for nothing. Right. Uh, when we start to be nice, it's because you, you really are important to us and mm. uh, we want to develop a relationship and it's going to go far. 
And there's a difference. I mean, in America, we, we try to be nice. And, and some Europeans might see that as insincere. I know in certain banks, tellers are fined if they don't wish every customer to have a happy day. And we have all these smiley faces and we're on first name basis, slap on the back. And mm. that's kind of charming. But from some points of view, it's not as sincere as cultures, not just French, but other cultures too, where the formality is first and then the, true, yes. the friendship is made and the informality is there. Uh, but I, I think that's a very good point is just don't assume they speak English. Start off by asking politely, parlez-vous parlez français? Parlez-vous parlez anglais? Uh, parlez-vous anglais, right? Parlez-vous anglais, s'il vous plaît. And, uh, and you will see they all they all fluent in English because we all learn English at school, oh, yeah. you know. Many times and, I and, ask. And more and more. I mean, now, uh, honestly, everybody speaks English. Yeah. And a lot of times they won't admit it. A lot of times, as a matter of principle and a matter of good good um, taste or style or politeness, I always ask, you know, sprechen Sie English, habla inglese, parlez-vous anglais. And if the person says, no, I do my best in their language, generally after a couple of sentences of me trying to speak their language, they will say, Actually, I do speak a little English, uh, and then we'll go along with uh, the That's French, true. you know, because uh, French people are a little shy about their inability to speak English perfectly. And one thing I do well linguistically is put others at ease with their linguistic shortcomings. That's true, yeah. After That's me right. trying to speak French, yeah. you'll go, oh, let's go with English. Yeah, that's right. Yes. That's nice. But we started with a good effort for French. because, yeah, And we really like that. In we your language, that, yes. you used to be, be the lingua franca. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the language that everybody spoke. There was a time when the Tsar in Russia spoke better French than uh, Russian, and he was proud of it. Uh, look on our passport. The second language on an American passport is French. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and things have changed a little bit, and the French, understandably. Uh, you see, there's a, I have a good example to, um, to picture this. Uh, I went to Greece some uh, many years ago, and you know that Greece is a very touristy country. And they can be really obnoxious sometimes because of tourists. And actually, I went to Greece knowing Greek. I learned Greek before going there. And, you know, I just saw Greece in a total different way. It's because people, you spoke Greek? Yes. They were so proud to have a foreigner mm. speaking their language. Yeah. They were so impressed and they were so nice. That's one joy I wish I could experience is the gratitude from yes. people who speak a different language uh, showing to me that I spoke it's their magic. language. It's magic. It a really is thing. magic. We've been talking with Arnaud Savignat. He's a great tour guide from Paris. Uh, Arnaud, uh, do you have a website, Arnaud? I do have a website, yes. What is that? It's uh, Arnaud, A-R-N-A-U-D, dash Servignat, S-E-R-V-I-G-N-A-T, dot com. And we'll keep that on our website. Check at the book. At ricksteves.com. You can find Arnaud's email if you want to email him or, or book some time with him when you're in Paris. And, of course, Arnaud is a hero in the Paris chapter of My oh, Friend's Guidebook. <laughs> So normally I say happy travels, but in French, I think the appropriate thing to say would be bon voyage. Bon right? voyage, Rick. Bon voyage. Ah, merci bien. And, à bientôt, uh, and uh, well, oh. see you later in Paris. Great. Au revoir. La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou-glou-glou font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche ding-ding-ding, mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum, tout avec lui dit boum, et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille. You know, Paris is just so popular that we've got more calls and emails than we can fit on the show. Let's see who we can get to in the remaining minutes we have. But don't forget, you can always follow up online anytime at ricksteves.com where travelers share their questions and experiences in a section we call our graffiti wall, and also on the feedback form message board in the radio section of our website. It's all part of what we do at Travel with Rick Steves. Tiffany in Herbert, Ohio, shares her faux pas. April in Paris, and I was a little lazy checking my backpack so I didn't need to lug it around and, and wore shorts for the nine-hour plane ride over. I realized my mistake when my luggage was sent accidentally to Amsterdam. I had to walk around Paris in shorts and was regarded as a very shocking, rude American, showing my legs, and I was actually accosted by a young man on the subway who tried to take me home with him. Now I recommend dark, full-coverage clothes to anyone traveling to this magnificent city, and don't check it on the airplane. Paris deserves the proper respect. That's from Tiffany in Herbert, Ohio. Lessons learned from the School of Hard Knocks. Bob in Emmitsburg, Maryland, writes... On my first visit to Paris as a student, I was interested in seeing the Bastille. 
not realizing it had been torn down during the French Revolution, my knowledge of French history was a bit thin at that point, I went to the Place de la Bastille to see it. I asked an old newspaper vendor in a kiosk in my halting French, where is the Bastille? Où est la Bastille? He stared at me as if I had come from another planet. He muttered something about crazy American tourists and said, it flew away last night. Too bad, you just missed it. I went on to major in French history in graduate school and teach history at a small college and tell my students this story to remind them it's always smart to brush up on the history of a place before you visit. <music> Kelly in Seattle, thanks for your call. Hey, Rick, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, listen, I'm taking my boyfriend to Europe for the first time. I've been uh, to Paris once before, and... We are thinking about staying in the Latin um, district, I think this was called. Uh-huh. And um, I was just wondering, uh, because of the recent uh, you know, racially charged atmosphere in Paris, if you would recommend staying there or perhaps another district would be more appropriate. Do you know if there's any problems since right. November? Well, you know, I was just in Paris, and uh, I was in the Latin Quarter, and I, I wandered over to the uh, mosque there. And uh, the mosque, I toured it, and it's got a wonderful little exotic Moroccan-style tea house there and quite a vibrant um, uh, Muslim community. I felt very comfortable. Now, the, what's been in the news in Paris has been these terrible suburbs where they've got... Uh, uh, right. big populations of underclass uh, immigrant laborers that are poor and angry and mostly Muslim. And you wouldn't want to, I mean, I think it'd be probably safe, but you, you just, as a tourist, you wouldn't wander out there anyways. So okay. where you're talking about has nothing to do from a safety point of view, from an ambiance point of view, or anything like, or from a tension point of view, with the news that you've seen lately about tension in Paris. Remember, Paris is a vast oh, city, and right. the downtown core is la-la land as far as <laughs> any of that kind of tension goes. Right. Yeah, well, I've traveled a lot internationally, and I've yeah. never had any negative experiences, but I figure it's always best to now, check now, it out. I should say, Kelly, that while the Latin Quarter is famous, you know, it's... Um, I think it's uh, touristic and kind of cheesy, mm-hmm. and I would rather stay across the river in the Marais or yeah. in, in other parts of Paris. Uh, the Latin Corner is fun, but it's just swamped with, I think, low-end tourists. And, yeah, uh, my priority is just pricing, uh, yeah. you know, looking for a good uh, good price for, you know, a bed that we're just going to be in I see. Did in you the f- evening. Did you find that the hotels were cheaper in the Latin Quarter? I did, and also the Bastille, good. I think, was another area. Oh, the Bastille, we yeah. See, the Bastille, that is the Marais. And, oh, and the Marais is the trendy, uh, it's the Jewish quarter, the gay quarter, the artsy mm-hmm. quarter, and uh, the Latin quarter today, I mean, it's called the Latin quarter because in its day it was the university district, and it has mm-hmm. that sort of a romance of being a, where the Latin-speaking students were there 800 years ago and so on. But today the Latin quarter is um, kind of cheap Greek restaurants and, and right. uh, a bunch of junk being sold in the streets and just crowds of gawking tourists being <laughs> spending too much money for their dinners. Um, you know, I really like the, the area around the Bastille. That is the Marais. Yeah. Marais is the word, it's, I think, literally the, the, the swamp or the marsh. And it used to be so marshy that it was a cheap place for people to stay. Consequently, artists and bohemians would hang out there. And then because of that, it got really artsy and, and mm-hmm. uh, sort of trendy. And now it's a quite expensive part of Paris. But it has, I find it has affordable hotels, and, and I love to stay in the Marais. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed my time in the Bastille. A lot of Americans were there as well, like um, expats and whatnot. Yeah, it's a trendy area. And just to, I used to, when our when our children were little, we would stay there and we'd go to the Place des Vosges and just uh, our kids would be playing in the sandbox with all the <laughs> Parisians' kids. And it was just an elegant place to just uh, pass time. That's great. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you um, for all of your community activism outside of travel that you uh, do in Seattle and in Washington State. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for recognizing that. You know, when you when you travel a lot, you realize how fortunate we are here, and you just feel like it's uh, we've got a lot to uh, be thankful for and a lot to take care of, and it, it tends to make you a little more active in these sort of issues. I agree. All right, Kelly, have a good trip. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And here's a story about a triumph for a family in a fine restaurant in Paris from Kathleen in Modesto, California. Is it possible to take younger children to a restaurant in Paris? One January, I traveled to Paris with six-year-old triplets. Your suggestions for eating out with children worked. The staff at the Hippopotamus Restaurant in Les Halles was so impressed by my children's behavior, they happily accommodated my request for ice cream, even though it wasn't on the children's menu. And they didn't even charge us for it. 
The only negative part of the experience was finishing up and paying l'addition at about 6.30 when an older woman and her 30-something nephew came in and were unhappy to see children in the restaurant, so they asked for a table as far away from Les Enfants as possible. As we finished the obligatory restroom stop and tried to leave as inconspicuously as possible, three of the waiters came running out to the children with balloons, thanking us for coming and all the while gushing about how well-behaved my children were, in full view of the woman who was so disturbed at seeing children in a restaurant. I took a picture of our three well-behaved children next to the hippopotamus sign on the sidewalk outside the restaurant and walked triumphantly as a well-fed family in Paris all the way to the Eiffel Tower. Travel with Rick Steves is produced at Europe Through the Back Door in Edmonds, Washington. There's more online in the radio section at ricksteves.com. That's where you can look up information on today's program and listen again to this and other editions of the program, including a link to podcast versions of Travel with Rick Steves. You can also submit your questions and comments for Rick from our website to be included on future editions of the show. And send us your submissions for our 15 Seconds of Fame department. Details are at ricksteves.com. The people who help bring you Travel with Rick Steves include communication support from Rachel Unk, Sonia Grosette, and Robin Stencil, with technical support from John Weist and Jonathan Lee. Our theme music is composed by Jerry Frank. I'm your producer, Tim Tatton. Join us next time as we travel with Rick Steves. Au revoir. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.